Welcome back to According to the Scriptures. This is your host, Eureka. I'm back with another episode, but this recording is a little um, later. I lost the first half of this episode, so you guys are only listening to about half of what we actually talked about. This episode is featuring Pastor Thomas, Pastor Will, and Isaiah from Brookdale Baptist Church, and they're from Moorhead, Minnesota. I think towards the end, I made a mistake and said they're from Fargo, North Dakota. I meant uh, Moorhead, Minnesota. Again, I apologize. I lost the first half of the audio. I tried finding it, but I really couldn't. But here's the rest. It was still a pretty good episode. We talked about church impact and church influence in the community. And I hope you guys can enjoy. Well, how much importance would you guys say then church is for a believer? Uh, because, you know, being online and talking to a lot of people online, there's a lot of undermining of the church. Let me bring up a verse that usually comes up. Uh, this is in First Corinthians chapter 12 and starting at verse 27. This is usually a verse that I believe is taken out of context, um, oftentimes to defend kind of this view. But the verse says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now, of course, people go by this concept to explain that they're the body of Christ being the church, and therefore they don't need to actually go into gathering um, together. How important would you guys say that the gathering of the saints is? Because I, I I view it almost as a kind of like an antichrist almost type of thing sure. to be against the, the church of Christ. What, what do you say? So my mind is going on so many different directions right now. There's a lot of different ways. I, mean, I could take you to Hebrews 10, for instance, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, mm-hmm. um, as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the day is probably referring to the day of the Lord, day of Christ coming mm-hmm. to bring judgment and finality mm-hmm. to his redemptive plan in the world. And we're, of course, getting closer to that, which means, if anything, we should be increasing our physical, personal gatherings together, mm-hmm. because it's in that personal gathering that we exhort one another and we encourage each other. Um, so I could talk about that. I could talk for a whole sermon about mm-hmm. that passage. That's yeah. a command. Yeah. Um, I could go back to the very beginning of the Bible and t- just simply talk. It's not good for a man to be alone. Mm-hmm. You can apply that to male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, loneliness is an epidemic in our society today. Mm-hmm. We are so connected. We have thousands of friends on Facebook or right. whatever they're called on TikTok, right? right? Followers and whatever. We have all these people, and yet we're so lonely in so real lonely. life. Yeah. L- let's face it. The Bible said this is a unique way to talk about this, but there are several times in Scripture where it says, "Greet one another with a holy kiss." Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, what we're talking about here is physical affection. Right. I know in some cultures we don't get into this as much, but just giving a hug or a slap on the back or a handshake, smelling each other's breath, and and just being physically present with each other. Mm-hmm. I remember post-COVID getting together for the first couple of times with my church family again. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how how desperate I was for that hug, mm-hmm. yeah. for that handshake, for singing with other people's, you know, um, voices around me. Yeah. I don't know what you gain by not gathering together with a church family. Right. There's so many other things I could talk about. Right. But one of the things you lose is that holy kiss, that mm-hmm. physical bond of affection with each other. 
and church provides that mm-hmm. connection. You can't do those things online. It's not <laughs> yeah, possible. Can't. I, I'm just starting. There's so yeah. many things I could say. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to hit it from different angles. The Bible doesn't have anywhere that says that you should be at church every Sunday and mm-hmm. all. But if that's what you're looking for, you're being very legalistic. Right. It says a thousand other things that make the case. Right. Being by yourself as a follower of Christ mm-hmm. is silly. Right. And and a lot of people usually, you know, people get legalistic when it comes to issues that they're opposed to. And they want yeah. a very <laughs> verbatim, specific kind of, you know, instruction for them to actually obey. Yeah. What, what, what do you have to say to input? Yeah. So... Sure. First Corinthians 12, I mean, the podcast is according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. If we want to talk about this according to the scriptures, I mean, that is just blatantly taken out of context. There's a, you know, Bible scholar, the- theological term that we use called eisegesis. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't really find it in a lot of dictionaries. You can find it if you Google it. But really what it, what it means is looking at an isolated passage of scripture and you have a preconceived notion about what you already believe, mm-hmm. and you use that portion of Scripture to prove it, mm-hmm. rather than looking at the Scripture in context, looking at the language, exactly what it means in that in that context, and then exposing that meaning, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's exposition, that's exegesis, um, and that is not what's being done when someone uses that. I mean, you just look at the rest of that chapter mm-hmm. alone. And it's like, how could you believe that that verse is teaching you that you you it's okay right. for you to separate yourself from the fellowship of a local church? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You just look at the word members, right? Yeah. It says you're members. What does it mean to be a member? Just think about that in your mind for a second. What does it mean to be a member? <laughs> it means to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean to be an isolated, not connected to anything mm-hmm. um, individual. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the height of eisegesis to look at that verse and, and come to that come conclusion. Come to that conclusion, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's definitely preconceived notions and things in that nature. But uh, usually what I do get in defense of people that do say this thing is, is church hurt um, or, you know, yes. having some going on in the church that then they decide to be separate from the, the body. Um, for such folks, what advice... Um, or consultation uh, do you guys each individually have? And I would say, kind of switching gears here about church hurt, I have a, I actually have multiple friends, but one friend in particular who I will not name. He has, um, he struggled with um, the whole idea of church because his family has, um, I guess you could use the term, forced it down his throat, if you've ever heard that term. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just hard for him to, he knows about God. He knows about Christ. He sees how Christ impacts other people. He just, he hasn't done anything about it. Mm. And, and I just, I hurt for those people. I really do. Mm -hmm. This is one of the biggest issues I would say, especially amongst young people who have those parents and those elders who have maybe been, I would say ag- aggressive in their approach to evangelizing mm-hmm. maybe from when they were a young age. And I feel like that's why it's so important for especially myself, um, how young I am to 
make sure because that is that church hurt that's legitimate trauma from um mishandling of scripture mm-hmm. and as we'd say eisegesis of different passages mm-hmm. and uh so when we're talking about church hurt, I want to say, first of all, I feel for those people. Mm-hmm. I We have to have so much love and um, patience for those people who have legitimately been hurt by the church, and we have to realize that. And second of all, I would say, don't give up on those people. Mm-hmm. I was actually with this friend and a couple other friends, and we were eating after track practice one day, and we were just talking about Christ and the church and Jesus just in the middle of the restaurant and it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened um we were kind of witnessing to this friend who we know is is struggling um but it's moments like that where if that person can see that not all the people in the church or all in the church are like that Mm -hmm. who just want to shout the bible at you but who want to love you as they share the word of god with you it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. and how we witness to people makes a huge difference in their response so pretty much every letter in the new testament acknowledges this how many of the letters in the new testament is the writer trying to address a problem in the church Mm -hmm. people who are mistreating one another teaching uh wacky doctrines Mm -hmm. and, and and being disobedient to christ I could also tell you stories from when I was a kid and then as an adult. I've been through things both as a a kid or a teen in a church. Um, I remember being a teen, playing the piano for church. Mm. My dad was a pastor, and I heard through the grapevine, I'm just a teen trying to serve God. People in the church said, I don't smile enough. I need to start smiling. Worship isn't as fun because the pianist isn't smiling. Mm -hmm. I had to be like Bill Gaither and smile. My parents talked to me. They meant well. They said, son, you should probably try to smile. I tried. Tried to smile while I was playing. It was so fake. I was putting my heart into what I was doing. It was hard to smile while I was doing that. Mm -hmm. Finally, my parents said, son, I'm sorry. Don't even worry about it. Just (laughs) just be yourself. I was so relieved of that. I remember going to church sometimes. I remember one lady in Indiana stood up. We did this thing where kids would go forward and sit in the front of the church, Mm -hmm. and my mom would tell them a story before the sermon. Mm Mm-hmm. One time, an older lady got up in the church, and she said, I don't know why all these kids are going forward in a church service. They need to stay in their pew, and they need to be respectful to the adults. I had experiences as a kid where people were threatening lawsuits against my dad and heckling him during the preaching. Hmm. And I was a kid sitting there. I understand church hurt. Mm -hmm. I could tell you a lot of other stories that I won't get into as an adult of the mishandling of Scripture and the mishandling of people. Mm -hmm. So why am I a pastor? Why am I still doing this? Why do I even try? Why am I trying to teach my kids to love the church, to be involved? Let's go back to what we were talking about in 1 Corinthians. What is the next chapter in 1 Corinthians? 13. 13. What is 1 Corinthians 13? The central passage in all of the Bible about love. Mm -hmm. It says this, Love does what? Love suffers long, long. kind. It does. Mm -hmm. It suffers, and it suffers long. A successful marriage is going to have bad days. Mm -hmm. But the key to a successful marriage is not that there's no suffering. It's that 
you learn how to work those things out mm-hmm. so that you can go long, mm-hmm. right? Love suffers long, and and a church is a group of people that have been saved from the penalty of their sins by mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but they haven't been made perfect yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to mess up. Right. The people that I do church with in my church family are going to mess up, from the right. pastor all the way down to the youngest kid who's screaming in the middle of the church service, right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to mess up, and church has to allow for that mm-hmm. so that there is an opportunity for us to mess up, to be loved, to be forgiven, to try again mm-hmm. without being feeling like we're going to get kicked out first time we, we fail, mm-hmm. right? There's processes for this in the Bible. My point is this. I know church hurt. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it. But love suffers long. It's also kind. And there's a lot of other things this passage says about it. Mm-hmm. Church provides an opportunity for you to learn to love imperfect people well. Mm-hmm. So if you'll stay true to that, you'll become more like Christ by staying committed to his church. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, if you'll do that instead of bail out 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, your church is more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And you then have more of an impact on the culture of your church if you write it out. Now, let me, if you've been abused and you've been mistreated and you've attempted to reconcile biblically, there are times and moments to leave. Mm-hmm. But kind of... when that happens, and the, the Bible teaches these kind of things, right? Yeah. But when that happens, go find another church. Mm-hmm. Don't bail out on the church. Mm-hmm. So be committed to the church mm-hmm. uh, because love does suffer long. Mm-hmm. And the church is where you learn that. I kind of I heard where you said um, it's you know they, everybody's gonna mess up you know we're not perfect within the church. Yep. Um, do you think then part of what causes a lot of church hurt is that the people in the church, uh, since they feel that you know they're part of the church, they take on kind of this uh, pharisaical mindset where they impose a a perfection standard um, right. and are, are harsh kind of when you don't meet that that type of standard do you think that's yeah, yeah. pushes people away yep. yes i it's funny that you said that because in this discussion i just looked up you know matthew 23 um mm-hmm. and jesus is you know directly addressing this issue with you know the legalism of his day mm-hmm. he spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples this is matthew 23 verse 1 saying the scribes and pharisees sit in moses seat right so they're they're usurping authority that God has not given to them. Um, and I appreciate very much that Isaiah, you know, he, he introduced this this idea of eisegesis that we've already talked about into this, mm-hmm. this, this specific topic, because a lot of church hurt is rooted in improper teaching of God's Word. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Jesus is accusing them of doing. And in verse 3, he continues, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do— but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it might be good to read the rest of that passage, but, you know, mm-hmm. we could read a, a, a lot of passages about this. Um, it's important to remember how Jesus dealt with those who were, who were hurting. You, you you read in the Gospels 
especially John, where you have some very personal interactions of Jesus with others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the woman at the well, the, the Samaritan woman, all, all these all these different things. Um, it helps us to learn how to deal with those people. Mm-hmm. And our hearts really do need to go out to them. I mean, the Bible says essentially in, in their terminology that Jesus' heart went out for God's people, right? It says mm-hmm. he was moved with compassion. It, it, you know, it, the, the King James uses the word bowels, but that's talking about the deepest part, you know, the, the utter deepest parts of our souls, the depths of who we are, the deepest feelings that we have must go out for those people that have been abused uh, by the church. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, it's even hard to say those words, abused by the church, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How could the church be abusing people, but it, but it happens? Right. And I, P- Pastor Thomas, I think, you know, very wise in what he said, that no church is perfect. In fact, we were talking about this, he and I yesterday, you know, about the difference be- as, as pastors of going and planting a church mm-hmm. and, um, you know, going and pastoring an established church, right? There are a lot of differences. There are pros and cons to each side. Um, and ultimately, you want to follow God's leading, not mm-hmm. just do your own thing and figure it out for yourself. But all that being said, an established any established church that you go to, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be perfect. There are mm-hmm. going to be issues, and you have issues, right, <laughs> that yeah. you're bringing into a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you need to stay in the midst of the difficult situation. Other times you need to leave one of those situations mm-hmm. and it takes biblical wisdom. You have to not just analyze your feelings, but analyze your feelings with the grounding in God's word, right? Look mm-hmm. at God's word. What is truth? Not what do your feelings say? What is truth? And then go from there. Uh, but all that being said, um, if you're, last Pastor Thomas said, I, I want to make clear as well. If you're in a, an actual abusive situation, then you do need to remove yourself from that and find a healthy situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important also to understand that uh, not everywhere that claims to be the church of Christ exactly. is an actual church. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, um, how can we be saying even the words that the church causes trauma yeah. to people, you know? Um, and usually, naturally, when this thing comes up and I talk to people, it usually carries over to even sexual abuse yeah. that mm-hmm. people are experiencing from the from the church. Um, you know, it's a very hard-bearing topic because of who Christ is, um, what he stood for, and what he established the church for. And yet, you know, it's supposed to be for the perfecting of the saints, yet, you know, sometimes it can be one of the most traumatic places for people. Um, But I just think the important thing to remember is that there are good churches out there and that, you know, in every church, nobody's perfect. Um, And in some churches, there's also unbelievers in churches. That's also another factor. And nobody, you know, right. no church just has purely believers. There's also unbelievers in there. So I think there's just a balance of understanding, um, you know, discernments and things of that nature. Um, now, as, as far as the church established in a community, um, I, what a lot of churches, I think you touched on it a little bit, a lot of churches struggle with is, you know, say members and giving them tasks, Um you see in a lot of churches, people struggle with membership. Um, you know, have a lot of churches don't have a lot of members and they're trying to get an appeal. Um, and for a lot of churches that have people in there, they're trying to get people to do something and just give people um, stuff to do. For churches and for unbelievers, um, what is something that 
can be done or the appeal for, say, mm-hmm. unbelievers to find an interest to get in a church because a church is primarily a place for believers. Right. So naturally, unbelievers have no interest. Yeah. Um, so w- what would you guys say then in that case? What is the community God has placed you in? Mm. Uh, when we send as churches, we send missionaries to other places in the world, we expect them to do a lot of research and study into their community to understand the culture and the people, and then to build a ministry that is able to connect mm-hmm. to those things, solve those problems for the gospel, meet those needs, and understand What happens a lot of times to churches in America, though, especially established churches, is they develop a a personal internal culture, Mm -hmm. and they they stop thinking about what's happening in the community around them. Mm. And so they they develop this personal internal culture, and they're waiting for people outside in their community to like that Mm. and to come to that. And sometimes that thing becomes very dated and it becomes very old. And there's not even Christians in the community who think that way. Right. Now, we're not talking about things that are different from the Bible. Mm-hmm. We should always be biblical. Right. That should never change. Culture always has to submit to Scripture. Right. We're not talking about biblical principles. But, uh, for instance, one thing that I love about where we're sitting now here at Brookdale, this is just an example. Mm-hmm. Brookdale was built decades ago on a piece of property in Moorhead, right here in Minnesota, that mm-hmm. was largely mud field, dirt field, farm fields. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much happening here. And it was largely a, a Swedish, European, immigrant-type community. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're sitting right now is that same piece of ground, mm-hmm. but we are now surrounded by apartments, houses, residences mm-hmm. of people that are increasingly ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. Well... We need to identify and recognize that. Mm -hmm. And instead of expecting our community to become like us, we need to look for ways that we can build relationships to understand, to empathize Mm -hmm. with the community that God in his providence. Mm -hmm. God puts the stars exactly where they are in the universe. He puts people exactly where they are in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We have to submit to him in those things and, and understand how can we connect uh, multiculturally mm-hmm. uh, understand the needs mm-hmm. that are there, the mm-hmm. challenges, the mindsets that are there, and begin to ask and answer those questions with the gospel, mm-hmm. find ways to create opportunities that solve their challenges mm-hmm. and connect them to Christ and the message of the gospel. So that's what we're trying to do is you, you look at the community God has placed you in. Mm-hmm. Understand that community right. and connect to that community because that's community God has given you. Mm-hmm. And that can change time after time. And churches have to then be flexible to change to meet those needs as well. Right. Well, and feel free, Isaiah or Will. You, in thinking about the next generation, right, um, you know, of, of new people, new Christians, younger people coming into the church. And as Isaiah, I think, aptly put it earlier, taking ownership. Mm. I, I think it's it's just so important that they understand the importance of being a part of a local church. Mm-hmm. That they need that, mm-hmm. and not only does not only do they need that, the church also needs them, right? And I think once once you understand that part of it, mm-hmm. I think then it's just natural that that you step into the church and start serving. 
mm. and that you want you want to be accountable to other people. Mm-hmm. You want to live in community or the you know the New Testament word fellowship with others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a part of of who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you just can't get around it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. What do you what do you think then for like say unbelievers? Yep. Um, especially with the culture that we're coming in in the world and. Um, kind of how society is going. Mm-hmm. Um, church is kind of making an exit, or religious belief in general yes. is kind of making an exit. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the mindset being adopted more and more by unbelievers. Right. How do you then see is the best way of uh, getting such people in and staying in the church? Because yeah. uh, a lot of these people come in, will maybe come in Easter, show up again Christmas, and of course in their head take that as being a Christian. Mm-hmm. But how do you get such people to stay in the church um, for a long period of time? Well, I have, I have a lot of ideas, and I, I always love an opportunity to insert, first of all, the Scripture and the Bible into conversation. Take up your cross and to follow Jesus. That, mm. that message of let's go and do something, you know, not great for ourselves, mm-hmm. but we really do have... All of us, we have a desire to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. To, to have, you know, for a global mission, that's what the gospel is. It's a global mission. Mm. I, I think I'm trying to look at our culture and see what is what is resonating with people, mm. and why is it resonating with people, mm-hmm. and then look at the scriptures and say, wait a second, mm-hmm. are we missing something here? And I think we are, generally speaking, in our preaching and teaching. So that's something that I'd really, you know. It, um, in my ministry at our church, my goal is to really, you know, I, I don't want to just focus on these people, but to find young men who are looking for that purpose mm-hmm. and get, you know, show them how the gospel, and a lot of these guys are already going to be believers, mm-hmm. how the gospel that they've already trusted in, this is really what you're searching for. You know, no one's helped you enough to be able to understand that. And Pastor, how do you, how do you feel about for churches that, like you said, you know, seeking out the community, realizing what the community is like, and kind of trying to fit the church, kind of to connect with the people. Um, how do you feel for churches that kind of take that to the more extreme, that become more progressive? Um, there are churches now that will have service that's basically just a concert. Where do you, where would you say is the point to draw the line? And I think we have to recognize the church is not supposed to be a stoic, dispassionate mm-hmm. platform mm-hmm. of messaging the gospel, the word of God. At the same time, the church should not overreact to that by becoming a very shallow, passionate mm-hmm. platform either. Right. One of my concerns today is that churches are shifting gears to a very emotional type scenario. Mm-hmm. They're, they're connecting to a need, right. a vacuum, a void, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then if you listen to the message of the music and you listen to the message of the, 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 the teaching that's going on, mm-hmm. there's very, very little depth and true connection to the actual meat of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I think we can learn from all this as churches and say, let's stop swinging the pendulum from one extreme to the next. Mm-hmm. being reactionary, just trying to fill vacuums. Mm-hmm. What the church needs to become is a church needs to become a church that addresses the whole person. Mm-hmm. We need to care, mm-hmm. and we need to care about the truth. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we are at a good place in the world where the people that the Spirit is working on. Mm. It's the other side to it. We, we're not going to get every person to commit to Christ. Mm-hmm. We're not, because right. that's not the reality. It's not possible, yeah. But we are, we need to be at a place where we care like Christ cared, and we care with the truth of Scripture permeating what we're doing. So mm-hmm. you, you look at Christ's ministry. Christ was most compelling to people who most understood their need. I want to add one more thing here, and then I'll kind of sign out. When we're talking to non-believers, young believers, younger people even, or anyone with sinful struggles and even church hurt, things mm-hmm. like this, we have to really make sure that we respond to them well mm-hmm. with Christ-likeness. So I'm thinking about 2 Timothy chapter 3, mm. um, verse 23. We're supposed to love with a faith, peace, pure heart. Mm-hmm. Um Verse 24 says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God will give them repentance. There's that, you're not going to win everybody, Mm -hmm. teaching. If I am an unbeliever, non-believer, or someone struggling with sin even as a believer, I'm a younger person talking to an older person, Mm -hmm. Am I going to be comfortable telling you what I'm really thinking, mm. what I'm really dealing with, what I've really done? Right. The answer is usually no. I'm scared to do that. Mm-hmm. If you ever have the opportunity, try to create relationships with people where they feel they can trust you, talk to you about anything. Mm-hmm. And if they ever decide to try that, don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. If you give them a proud look, or you look at them, or you talk to them like you're shocked. As a pastor, I've heard people tell me a lot, lot of things. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard all kind of topics brought up. Mm-hmm. And you really have to ask God for the grace to just, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, let them feel like they did not mess up by talking to you. Mm-hmm. That's really what they want. Mm-hmm. Someone they can talk to and feel like you're not going to cut their hand off because they're honest with you. Mm-hmm. If you can create those kind of relationships, they know you care, and they know you're going to give them the truth, mm-hmm. and it's not scary. Mm-hmm. You can begin to build a bridge into the community, into people's lives with the next generation. And it goes back to love. Mm-hmm. You have to genuinely care. It can't be mechanical and surface. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Right. you got to be gentle. you got to be able to exploit patient with people. Mm-hmm. What do you guys then say coming up um, to this and naturally kind of branches in um, the people I'd requested, you know, mostly for the development area, but I include the impact uh, because, uh, you know, we're speaking on the appeal of people coming in the church and being a part of the church, um, why believers should do it, why non-believers should do it, the tactics and things of that nature. So then once all these, these things ideally are achieved, what then is the impact that the church is supposed to have on the community? Um, you know, a lot of non-believers and believers looking at it, when we read scripture, we see, you know, Christ speaking about building his church, that his church will never fail, uh, prevail over the gates of hell and things of that nature. But with such power behind it um, that God is giving and support and things ideally working good, what impact 
do we want to see a church do in a community? What What is the church supposed to make a difference in the place that it's in? Any uh, input from any one of you guys? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Mm. Our communities, our society is racked with stress and pain and anxiety mm. and loneliness. Mm-hmm. If we are having a proper God-sized gospel-based influence in our communities, mm-hmm. anxiety is going to go down. Mm-hmm. Stress will go down, depression mm-hmm. will diminish, mm-hmm. relationship will increase, satisfaction will flourish. Mm-hmm. And that's what our society needs. A proper influence in our community will bring rest mm-hmm. to more souls. Mm-hmm. The other passage that I'll mention uh, is in Galatians. Mm-hmm. Our communities are like this. They are filled, characterized by the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, divisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, Mm. wild parties, and the like. Paul talks about these things, and he says this is what an unsaved society is like. Mm -hmm. You could measure these things statistically. Mm Mm-hmm. What happens if the church is making a gospel impact in our communities? Those things will diminish. Mm-hmm. Here's what will increase. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, mm-hmm. peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Mm-hmm. If we're making a positive impact in our society, those qualities will increase in our community and the things I described previously will decrease. Mm. Essentially, police officers will have less to do. Mm -hmm. Politicians will have less to do Mm -hmm. because our culture will be more like Christ Mm -hmm. and less like selfish, sinful desires. So there'll be increased rest, Mm -hmm. decreased works of the flesh, Mm -hmm. and increased fruits of the Spirit. Right. It's probably the simplest answer we can come up with right there. Mm-hmm. I, I love I love the answer that you gave because oftentimes um, in the, in the church, uh, how people view the church is just that they deal with things that people can't see and yeah. a mystical world and they're just cocoon in their own thing and they don't see any benefit in society. So we see then the, the uh, there's a certain impact that the church does have in a community and they're supposed to be an ideal and I think is oftentimes neglected. And is not emphasized enough, um, and I think that's important to emphasize, especially for the gospel. But I think it's good to hear that, you know, all these different things in the community that would happen if we have an ideal church, um, and how it's supposed to look, what impact it's supposed to have on the community, on the people around them, believers, unbelievers, and it's all really just tied to the gospel, right? The the main reason yes. why this whole thing is happening is because of Christ and, and what he did on the cross. But um, with that being said, uh, Mr. Isaiah, uh, pa- uh, Pastor Will, uh, Pastor Thomas. Thomas. I don't know why the name slipped me now. That's uh, fine. Pastor Thomas. We have been talking for yeah, a while. Nice to have my name just <laughs> Pastor Thomas. Um, and this... This, uh, it was a nice podcast uh, interview. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was really great. Um, 
and the members are from Brookdale Baptist Church um, in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, and I hope for anyone who is an unbeliever um, to know that Christ loves you and loves you so much so that he decided to die on a cross for you. And uh, his, free, uh, his offer is free. Um, just believe in him and uh, follow him. And he's willing to accept anybody uh, just as you are. Um, and with that being said, I hope everyone has a safe and nice day. Happy Easter. Thank you. Thank you.